nossa. Hey everybody and welcome back to X's for Show, your weekly response to all things media, TV, I guess game shows this week, video games and more. Uh, you can catch this show all over the place at X's for Show and you can catch me, Nico, at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm TK. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at XNateXGrayX. And that makes me Kevo, and you can find me over on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K E V O R E A L L Y. Okay, so here's what's going okay. on. We talk a lot about uh, TV shows and uh, competitive TV shows at that, and that's a, a really cool thing because one of the things that competitive TV shows, you know, whether it's a show like Survivor, uh, Drag Race, etc., uh, one of the things that it's actually kind of rooted in is like the history of game shows and uh you know if we're gonna keep talking about you know like when we talk comics we go back and we're always like oh look at the x-men in 1963 for whatever reason because it's so relevant um you know when we talk about uh movies we tend to go back and say oh but let's not forget that first movie in the franchise or you know you know you never just talk about the thing that's present you, you talk a little bit more about the thing and so uh we're doing a little special zoom in on game shows and i want to uh kick this whole thing off by starting with kevo uh, you know kevo i think like most people you um like knew what game shows were and liked them you'd watch them etc uh, but I don't know that you were quite ready for uh, being married to me and the sort of like borderline requirement of watching a couple hours of game shows a day. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things up there with cooking shows that uh, is just something that has slowly come out over time as well <laughs> as... Uh more and more and you know it's these you have these different things that ebb and flow uh and game shows in general as a recurring theme is something that i guess uh you could say really does fit the bill for so many things that uh we both have interest in as well when you really think about it things like drag race or project runway are just game shows uh and it's the way that they present them and it's the way that they are played that uh changes from each different show to each different show and uh there's really so much more to the whole culture than uh a lot of people even consider now tk i know that you come at it for maybe a little bit less of the same perspective like you know um kevo and i like i i was like kevo if you love me you will come to a taping of match game and he was like of course and then we went to two um psa nobody got shot and so I want to ask then, you know, TK, you come from a very different side of things. 
but have your own great love for the you know competitive medial arts and uh what is your take on game shows you know i've been trying to think about an answer to this question for quite a while now uh having met the both of you and experienced a lot of game showification of uh my day-to-day life um I realize now that I appreciate so much more the earnestness with which game shows try to do a lot of the same things that reality TV tries to do in a way that I find when reality TV shows do it, I find it very off-putting. Um, you know, I it bothers me that we don't you know like the the conversation about whether or not um jury duty was scripted is a really interesting one to me and they did a ton of production work uh they did storyline development but it's it's different than writing a show and what they did is an art form that i want to talk about and like what they did on the hills is an art form that that i want to talk about but uh as soon as you make somebody film a call a second time that they already had on a reality tv show it's not really reality anymore because you're making them redo it which doesn't happen in life you don't get do-overs um and i mean so you know that's i i still want to talk about what is happening with produced stories and produced television and how we live for that drama uh you know drag queens that really produce themselves and their storylines on drag race and are vitriolic to people only because it makes for good TV and not because they are having those thoughts. That's all very interesting to me. And it's a great conversation, but in this day and age game shows are kind of the refreshing alternative in which it's very earnest that like, this is literally a game and you know, this is entirely, uh, reality by way of total unreality within the game and you know that is a a a set that is magical and anything can happen but the people are real and the things that are happening are real and you can't really produce yourself that well in front of drew carey when he's just trying to get you to guess prices for things in Uh, like a two minute exactly yeah absolutely you know you can come off as really crazy or you can come off as kind of subdued or in between and yeah you know you can't really pull off a storyline of like uh you know this is what i had to do to survive uh and i i find i appreciate that now more than i ever really realized i did having kind of been pushed to watch more game shows in the last year than i would have on my own time and oh sorry and so you know one of the things then you know kevo is my question then for you sort of becomes what is it for you that makes this tolerable you know hand in hand with my love of game shows is a borderline unpleasant love of board dice and card games Mm. Uh, but what's funny is i'm not competitive in group game situations. I don't need to beat anybody else. I just want to do better than I've done. So like for me, I never get flip the table mad. I get like 
reflectively disappointed but that's part of what right. makes these games really fun for me like when my friends get kind of like uh curse podcast get kind of like flip the table um i just think it's funny but um you know you specifically are divorced of the pleasures of competition and how is it then that you find yourself on the rainbow road of game shows mario kart you know, and I've been thinking about it since you asked the question 30 seconds ago. Mm. And because I'm not really sure. And you're absolutely right. I I tend to get very titchy when it comes to game situations. Uh, we have a few people in our lives who are kind of uh, difficult to get in uh, gaming situations with. And uh, that can be really frustrating. I just want us to all be fat dogs and have fun. But... Uh, it's a bear dance. And so one of the things that I was thinking about when you asked, you know, what is it that I, I really get out of out of game shows? I think, you know, I was thinking about us watching them and the way that we watch and the way we engage so so actively, you know, when people are uh, running back and forth during that stupid pricing game where you have to place things in the right people order talk, or, yeah. you know, and... Uh, watching weakest link where we shot out the answers and get so frustrated when no one banks and i think that it comes from that part of the human brain that very frequently enjoys sports but the thing that i really that i very frequently don't enjoy about being a spectator of sports uh and it's more it's always i always get so much more pissed off at the audience of things than at a at a thing itself and it's the way other people who watch sports are like oh this call that call i would have done this i would have done that no you wouldn't mm -hmm. 80% of the people that watch a sport could never. But when you're watching The Price is Right, it's literally anyone. Anyone can be called down on The Price is Right. And anyone can get up on that stage just by hitting the right number. Because there's it's, it's, it's random at times, even. We've seen so many rounds where everyone is over the bid and they all have to go over again. It's so <laughs> random. <laughs> You just get it by accident sometimes. And so it really could be anyone. And that's not the same thing for a lot of competitions. Uh, even like your Project Runways or your Drag Race or, um, you know, stuff like that. Some of these game shows are just, it's anyone's luck. And that's what makes it more engaging for me. That could be any of us in a way that's a, a lot of other competition programming no, you need to work to be able to make it there. And I had a sort of romantic relationship with game shows. I'm uh, super into watching other people succeed. Uh, I don't know what it is, but like, yeah, I really get something from watching other people win. Uh, I, I don't take their losses so personally or anything, but like watching other people win just fills me with like a really good feeling. Uh, I love seeing people succeed. That's just like a huge core of my enjoyment factor, which is where there's a lot of TV shows I can't do where there's contestants on reality shows where I'm just like, you are against the idea of someone succeeding. I can't do this. So um, that's and pretty good for me. Yeah. And I think even the same way that, you know, it could be anyone, you know, it could be you winning. It could be anyone winning. And so that's really cool to be reminded that anyone could be a winner. 
So uh, let's jump into the history of game shows, kind of sort of a little bit, not really. Like, I'm not here to tell you guys about the DuPont Network and uh, why you should know that there was a network before Fox that was the other network. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're just, you know, we're talking kind of lightly about kind of game shows in general. Uh, one of the things that I think the game show format represents for a lot of people that maybe doesn't get acknowledged quite the same way is game shows kind of represent um, a manifestation of the American dream in a lot of ways. While there's a lot of different kinds of game shows and we're going to break them down into a lot of cool different categories, one of the things that a lot of game shows do have in common is how well do you survive a situation? By that I mean Wheel of Fortune. It's sort of, it's called Wheel of Fortune, but it should be called wheel of secondhand good advice like there's really nothing on a wheel of fortune board that isn't a fortune cookie you know or it's before and after which is like my favorite thing in the entire world you know i love me a good mary tyler more tyler more 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 and i think you know weekend at bernadette peters sounds like the greatest thing that's ever happened to me so i do think that there is maybe a little bit of pop culture involved but like Wheel of Fortune is a thing you can walk onto, have lived your life, and you can walk out with a hundred thousand dollars because Vanna White flipped a letter that was just right for you. Kevo, amazing job with these beautiful graphics as always. Um, and so I just want you guys all to know that that I'm saying that Kevo, in fact, hand drew RuPaul into this image. I'm kidding. That is RuPaul. But right? do you see it's RuPaul and it's um julie bowen and i can't tell who's in the middle it looks like it might be gail but um especially when i saw rue and julie bowen i was like no this is the picture i'm putting up this is for us yeah it's gail that's crazy that's, that's oprah's amazing. friend that's i oprah. bet rupaul and julie bowen hated each other <laughs> uh it's it's perhaps I not bet the rue best. hated julie I just feel like they are at the same approximate level of stardom. Julie Bowen has more money for sure, but I feel like they're at the approximately the same level of like would be noticed and accommodated on the street. And RuPaul does not like people at her level. She likes the people below her that she can talk down to. And she likes the people above her that she can aspire to and act up to. The people at her level are, it's it's a zero-sum game. And they are elbowing in on turf that needs to be hers. And I could see the two of them just trying to out-difficult each other on what temperature the AC in the studio needs to be at. In a way that I'm dying to watch more than them actually play Wheel of Fortune. As a person who is very attracted to people being difficult, and as a person who on more than one occasion has said that Julie Bowen is perhaps the most beautiful woman, like, ever. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, she is. She's very obviously, she's mommy for you. I get that 100%. But <laughs> yeah, um... No, it's taken that away from you. Yeah. No. Oh my god. No, but I'm saying I'm super into this fantasy of her being hyper difficult on the set of Wheel of Fortune. I guarantee um, you she was. Gail, I, meanwhile, is just trying to mediate texting Oprah like you would not believe what I'm dealing with yeah. here. And here's what I think happened. I think Julie was sitting backstage and Vanna's practicing, pressing the letters, you know, because she likes to practice. And Julie goes, I could do that. And Rue goes, Now why would you have to say that? Why would you need to come for that white woman's job? 
And Julie's like, I'm not coming for it. I'm just saying I could also do that. And Rue's like, I could do your job. I could be the mom on a funny sitcom. Here's the thing about RuPaul, though. She's so 50-50 where one day she would absolutely do that to Julie Bowen. And the next day, Julie Bowen would say that in front of her and she would go, (laughs) (laughs) like, which is it? Uh, So... Anyway, you like my Rue laugh? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was spectacular. So um, fun. So I do Love think you, that, Mama. that these games kind of do end in that way. Uh, Drag Race. Also, I have a skill. I have an art. I'm good at this thing. And I want to personify this ideal. And I think that's something that um, a lot of game shows really do bring to the table. They allow mm. us to win. They allow us to experience something that we're all sort of promised we'll have, you know, and that's, you know, Kevo, your point earlier, but in that regard, there are kinds of different ways to be good at these games. There's knowledge, there's skill, there's, uh, you know, the difference between American game shows and international game shows where, you know, there's that whole joke of Japanese game shows where, they are wacky and push the limits. And we've watched some videos. Uh, shout out to shout out to Lazy, Lazy Masquerade, who, Lazy, if you're watching, because you have the best channel on the entirety, uh, you and Did You Know Gaming, best two channels. Um, oh, us. Right. Uh, we're the holy trinity of YouTube. Um, Lazy. We are the Gargoyles, Batman, X-Men, the animated series of YouTube. If lazy, if you have any more of those lazy plushes, man, I'm so sorry I slept on that. I'll, I'll pay it. Just let me know. Uh, lazy Masquerade, best creepy channel on the internet. Um, he uh, brought up an amazing thing about how sometimes Japanese game shows perhaps go a little too far. And there was a Japanese game show where a guy was like trapped, basically Truman Show style. They kept making him think he escaped, but he didn't. And he spent like two years total across multiple times being trapped in a box on TV. So like, you know, there's different kinds of game shows all over the world. Um, you know, the the Million Moms March would uh, have no problem with America doing that until a gay person was also put in the room and then it's, you know, forcible conversion and then they'd have a problem with it. So, uh, and then of course there's also things like food competitions, which make up two thirds of my preoccupied thought space. Um, I think about food all day. I think about I think about food competition. I was going to say, about... hold on. There's two different things at play here. You do think about food all day. Like, you do think about food all day. Uh, but that's very much a background process. I love food. Food competitions are, like, uh, next level you think about all day and in the forefront of your mind. I really do. like, And I think about a lot of different kinds of food competitions because yes. there's multiple kinds of food competitions. Oh, yes. I mean, that's like a big part of this whole thing. And that's that's kind of the magic of game shows and the history of game shows. And so um, thank you all so much for uh, hanging out for the pre-show part of the attraction. Now we're going to get in our Omnimover vehicles uh, and we're going to trek down through some classic game shows. Now I tried to focus on a list of what made up the uh, American electorate of game shows. Uh, one of the things that I do have to acknowledge is I'm a Goodman Todd boy. 
I'm a Merv Griffin man. Um, I grew up on, you know, the standard basic American game show populace. And to that end, I only mean to say that I know that I didn't represent your Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Graders? Um, and even some shows that made staples of my marriage, like Jaleel White. Hey, buddy. Total <gasps> Blackout. Is Total Blackout. Oh, my God. What a dumb show. What a dumb, amazing show. You know, people want to like if people want to pigeonhole this actor for Urkel, what a mistake when he made Total Blackout, which could have been the dumbest show in the world. Kind of fun. Uh, yeah. he, he made it like worth watching on sci-fi 10 o'clock on Tuesday nights. Um, but I'm telling you, sometimes if it was like the, the, in the dark sequences, you could really hear the Urkel. So, um, he busted it out like once every six episodes. Did I do that? All right. Let's kick this off with the cultural staples of video game at him. Uh, cultural staples, uh, cousin to Val staples who works in comics uh, um, and the, the, the family that founded staples. Yeah. Who actually against the, the Waltons and the Walmart little yeah. known fact, the staples family started the first ever American hole punch company. I'm sorry to not be able to tell if this is real. No, that was uh, that was not a bird's eye situation. Every now and then, when I watch like, because uh, God, I love to just like lay in bed and watch like the foods that made America. God, it's so good. I think I've seen every episode like thirty six times at this point. But when I get to the episodes where like it's about Clarence Bird's Eye, I'm like, come on, are you going to tell me that there's a Jack Hungry Man? This is absurd. I hope so. I am Jack Hungry Man. It's just one of those things we don't talk enough, historically speaking, about people who don't have last names like, you know, Michaels, Douglas or Johnson. We focus on Adams. You know, we focus on these very basic names. And there's this wealth of American culture, especially among native names like Birdseye. They get a little bit erased from the history books a little bit by that. I mean, a lot. And so, uh, yeah, the greatest thing now is carryover Indian names like Ice Cream Walla. Which is a real last name. Ice cream sales. Oh, you know, like, uh, but yeah, there was this kid in my dorm whose last mm -hmm. name was Ice Cream Walla. And um, the RA was like, I have to be there. So I have to be getting this wrong. Right. And he was like, no, it's, it's my it's my last name. It's fine. Thanks, though. Well, uh, let's let's talk about these staples of I think staples of American culture. Right. Uh, I want to start with it maybe wouldn't have been so hard to lose Alex Trebek if it hadn't been at a time in American culture where knowledge was considered the enemy. Um, if we had lost uh, Alex Trebek during the Obama administration, Obama would have come in and be like, well, you know, I think we can point my thumb at it and solve it because he was the coolest guy and he had plans and like. Even if it wasn't like not even in a political way, but like Obama had a way of seeming so chill that stuff wasn't a big deal. But it felt like knowledge was the enemy during the Trump administration. <laughs> I like how you say was like we don't hate it even more now. Well, you know, the it, it, it feels a little bit, you know, Joe, we did it maybe for at least one <laughs> category on the board. So I, mean, I just I feel like maybe uh 
if Mayim Bialik was really just willing to take the world upon her shoulders, we might have been okay, but... <sighs> I, Jenemon Oi was one of my earliest crushes as a kid, by the way. It's she was like a shiksa where... goddess. It's one of those things where, like, you can't manufacture a Mr. Rogers. You can't manufacture... And Alex Trebek. It's not Mayim Bialik's job to step up and be the next one. She'd be great. We'd love her. There's That's a lot of thing. people we'd love. But, like, also, wasn't she one of the ones that, like, spit-fed her baby or something? Like, She does some uh, weird parental practice stuff. But it, you can't manufacture an Alex Trebek or a Mr. Rogers as a producer but you can be one of those people by just being very earnest and sincere and kind and upfront and the thing yeah. i really love about about mind bialik is that though i feel like those are her qualities and she has some weird baby stuff but like all of it is fine and it's um she always comes at it like yeah this is what we chose to do i don't want to sell you a book on it i'm not saying you should do it i write about it i figured this was uh, made sense to me for how to raise my baby and my kid's really happy i hope your kid is happy and next question um and specifically answering Rockets. those questions was where i was like oh it's that same kind of i get why she's good in this role it's that same kind of sincerity where you're not saying you have to be squeaky clean or perfect yeah. or do anything right you just have to be good-natured and upfront and honest and i think that like she's a really good example of somebody who represents that in a way that these people that came before that are no longer with us that yeah you are 100 right you can't manufacture them you can't be a producer and come in and say you need to come off really earnest otherwise this isn't going to work because that just gets us nowhere and like what i really mean too is like you can't it's a calling someone who decides yeah. to devote their life to being an alex trebek yeah you can't you can't force someone into it you can't just like it, it has to come from such a genuine place and it has to be such a choice. It's why LeVar Burton is also, I think, such a great choice because he's someone who is so dedicated and passionate about yeah. his projects. And that's such a huge part of it too. Mayim as well is someone who, when she is dedicated to a project, is so dedicated and so earnest and we need someone like that. It's what, it's, it's what the good ones really bring to it. Yeah. And I think something that needs to be said about the great Madame Blossom is that she manages to be a woman of her faith without being like, hey, guys, do you know what I always like to do after a successful anything? I like to sit down and sing, my God is an awesome God. You know, she's not like it's about making you understand my faith. She's like, hey. I have faith and you can have whatever it is you have and I'm here to support what you have, but I'm also a woman of science. So please don't tell me what my faith is and please don't mm -hmm. tell me what my science is. She manages to create the narrative of a fully complex woman, um, which is something that very few celebrities can do, male or female, create the narrative of a fully complex person. It's where people get very on Chris Pratt about his religious ties. They did the same thing, uh, to Madonna when she suddenly discovered Kabbalah, you know, when it seems inauthentic, religion is an ugly thing. 
And I think that's something that Neon Bialik really provides beautifully an authenticity of self that I think makes it cool to be like a young Jewish woman and uh, be excited to share your faith and still love science. Yeah. And I think that's a cool balance that she manages to promote. So, you know, enough about that. Um, what is Jeopardy? You know, Jeopardy uh, is the basic quiz show. There's really not more to say about it. Um, when I say I want to do a grid, I say I want it to look like the Jeopardy board because everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody's played Jeopardy in fourth period physics class. Everybody's played Jeopardy in uh, you have to go to that you drive angry road rage seminar class. Um, you know, so we all know the Jeopardy model. We've all seen it everywhere. So it's that game. And God, I was just going to say it's the standard. It is. And it is that, and it's specifically also the, 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 the tied binary pairing of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, where it has always been like, this duo, um, gosh, for it fe- our entire lives, um, I-, I can rarely think of one without thinking of the other, even if I do think of them as completely separate entities. Yep. Uh, it- it's hard not to tie them together um, as the two um, classic long... Like, if these two ended, ended, I-, I have no idea how I would feel about television at this point it would be like saying you're canceling the news there's also something to be said about the role of women and the rise of uh vanna white to finally hosting wheel of fortune for a hot minute you know pat sajak left in the 80s hosted the pat sajak show uh which was a late night talk show so you know with wheel of fortune it really has been kind of a journey and the one thing i want to say about wheel of fortune like uh i'm gonna okay when I was a kid, I was all right. I can't believe I'm actually going to say this on air. When I was a kid, I auditioned for and made it onto Kid Jeopardy, and uh, I was on the Game Show Network version Kid Jep, and Jep was canceled early. And so while I was provided like, oh, you're going to film. Here's your filming date. My episode was canceled, but uh, they you know hurdled us into a, like a, a little hotel ballroom. And uh, you answered the the quiz, which I thought was like remedial. And I thought we were going to get like another quiz. And it turned out like the next thing was just mock game. Um, But like it, they clearly didn't understand because like 62 of us like made it to the next round and they had to like, you know, but anyway, so I do have like a really romantic understanding of Jeopardy as a kid who like did the Jeopardy process and was part of the Jeopardy uh, experience and, you know, got to do the backstage thing. And it was a really cool experience. Um, but kind of fuck Jeopardy because there's an elitistness to it. Like Jeopardy has such specific knowledge that is treated as primary and paramount by specific schools of thought. Wheel of Fortune tests good logic. It tests good knowledge. And I'm really positive on Wheel of Fortune. So one more time, I did do Jeopardy as a kid. Uh, did not make it to filming because the version I was going to be on, Kid Jep, was canceled. But uh, Jeopardy, a lot of fond memories, really cool backstage memories, really nice producers. They treated the kids really well. 
Uh, we will be creating a superhero named Kid Jep. Just so oh, we'll put that out there. We should. Uh, it was great. But let's let's move on to Wheel of Fortune just for a minute uh, before moving on past that. Uh, what do you guys think of Hangman for a million dollars? Never cared for it. I like the colors and 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 the physical. Um, but they're still they're so stingy. I feel like the most headlines I see about Wheel of Fortune and especially the last five years are, can you believe this dick move that Wheel of Fortune did for someone lost? That's the headline I see all the time lately where people are like, no, they were wrong. This person was robbed. Oh my gosh. And that's too... It's Hangman. Calm down. Yeah, no, I never want... I would never want to go on this show. White, not Black Lives Matter. I would never want to go on this show. It seems too stressful. So here's my thing. I neither like nor trust nor want to spend time watching old white men. And I have felt this way for a very long time. Alex Trebek is the exception that proves the rule because he is the, the goodest man. Um, Pat Sajak rubbed me so the wrong way. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like it just five years old. I just, I knew something was wrong. Uh, Vanna white, uh, just being silent also completely rubbed me the wrong way. I love that things have changed and Vanna white, like has serious stake in the show now. And it, but in our childhood, listen, she when, was a living Barbie doll. When yeah. I came to this country, there were two things I read when I first came to this nation. Stop. Number one, I read Common Sense by Thomas Paine. And number two, I read Vanna White's autobiography. Why? Because it's a hell of a book. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Vanna White has gone on to have a a career where a book would be involved really does kind of prove the point that like she shouldn't have just been sitting there flipping the tiles and being quiet. Um, and so I love the gameplay. Yes, it is. It is hangman with, uh, prizes and money and betting. Um, but it just so rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I'm also the kind of, uh, whoosh, where hangman is not a good grain for me. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I get that. A few times, like in your living room, being like, I don't know. And it's literally T H H blank U S blank. And you can't figure out that it's the house uh, <laughs> is embarrassing. And then you just never want to watch again. So, uh, you, you know, up on letters, it just completely gave up on letters. I'm a numbers man through and through. No, I'm not. Um, so yeah, I just uh, it always rubbed me the wrong way. Now I I enjoy it a lot. I mean, every game show that rubbed me the wrong way as a kid, I now think is very interesting and cool because of you guys. With one exception, and it's the worst exception to have, and we'll get into it in just a second. You're gonna say TPIR, aren't you? We'll I mean, talk. It's literally the only we'll show I watch literally every single day of my we'll life. Okay. Talk. All right, so uh, to move from Wheel of Fortune, which I think is most common denominator, not lowest common denominator. I can't believe it's not this next one that you have a bigger problem with because of how awkward well, this one frequently is. And that's even the thing. If I think Wheel of Fortune is most common denominator, again, never lowest, 
most common denominator phrases that people recognize. I think this next one actually tests that. Family Feud asks you to conjure up what is the most common denominator. I love Family Feud. Um, probably I love Celebrity Family Feud a little bit more because I love seeing groups of people, not actual families. Something that I think happens a lot that we don't maybe talk about enough is that families all think the same way because we're all inbred in one way or another. And uh, we're all descended from Genghis Khan. Yeah, no, we are all I get a little bit Genghis from Khan. Thieves and whores. And. Uh, that's all of our kind of like, you know, my family all makes the same jokes and I've taught them phrases that they now say, which is amazing. But there are things that they say that are just clearly not references that 70 year old straight people should be making. And they do, which is cute. Uh, family feud when you do just the family that really comes to the surface that's like it separates like oil and water especially when like one family like just to, to paint a picture imagine like one family is like an affluent black family where the patriarch is a doctor and like everybody is dressed really beautifully and then the other family is like la super chill super relaxed like uh like a bro family, like a whole white stoner bro family, you literally see which questions are designed for which group in a way that is really, really not supportive of the game show model. But when it's celebrity family feud and the idea is celebrity family, it's always like the MLB players versus the Kardashians. And it's one Kardashian and four hanger-ons. So, like, I think Celebrity Family Feud works a little bit better than Family Feud because of insular thinking. I but I functionally think that Steve Harvey, he is a Gene Rayburn. And I think he is such a classic game show host. It actually proves why the classic game show host has to be retired after Steve Harvey. He is the last one. Period. There is no one who is going to do it with the same class he does it with. I even think some of his behavior is a little antiquated at times. It's very antiquated. I am made really. I I, I go to these flashes of uh, Ray Dawson, and I, I go to these flashes of uh, you know uh, Alan Ludden. You know, guys who were amazing at their jobs, right? But that's behavior from 40 years ago, 70 years yeah. ago. And so Steve Harvey does a great job managing a very classic, classy old game show. But for my money, the energy of a Wayne Brady, the energy of uh, Drew Carey, the energy of an Elizabeth Banks is like, you know, it's 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 really special. Especially it's unfortunate that it took till 2015 for uh, a black man to be a host of this stature and nature uh it would have been nice you know for this to be something that happened in the mid 90s because Thank you. uh it you know steve hart like it's the same thing as i i say about rupaul like she is a horrible capitalist but black people should get to be horrible <laughs> capitalists too they should not all have to be pure for our you know litmus test of what makes a good person steve harvey Gives me the same kind of not great vibes as Pat Sajak. Same. Real, 
patriarchal thing happening. It is very clear that he's not comfortable with queer people, regardless of, you know, what their behavior is like on set. I actually thought the best he ever did with a queer person was when it was RuPaul and co on celebrity family feud. Um, Cause they just had good banter, but like he was kind of pulling off a little bit of like, Oh, the circus has come to town. What do I do? And yeah. it, I just, there's there more. Worse, of a, he says, Oh, hell a lot. Yes. <laughs> There are worse things in this world, and he very clearly is not sitting there going like, you disgust me. But uh, it is behavior that I feel like in 99, I could have been like, well, people really have never seen a drag queen before, so it's fine. In 2017, if you're still doing it, it's a little like, let's move on. And when you do have Elizabeth Banks's out in the world, too, again, like women also need to be hosting game shows and should have been for long before this. But Elizabeth Banks, you could walk in in a crop top and a jock strap, and she'd be like, we're playing, press your luck. Let's do it. She wouldn't care at all. And that's more what we need. And I feel like there is a vulnerability to Steve Harvey that isn't there for Pat Stajak, while they do give similar vibes. But I feel like that mostly comes from Pat Stajak having yeah. incredible white privilege of... Yeah the longevity of his career in this format and just everything. And um, yeah, you know, I, I mostly watch celebrity family feud based entirely around who the celebrities are going to be on it. This is definitely a show where um, I don't generally love watching just normals. I like watching celebrities acting crazy. I picked this one. Um, uh, this image because it's our little ah geez fuck it um it was the high school musical kids because mm -hmm. like you know that 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 you know it, when it's people that you care about that you want to see that makes it more exciting yeah but uh when it's not it's just you completely check out now i want to talk about uh, a show that i Reference a whole lot more than I really care about. Um, if you ask me who the coolest celebrity of all time is, it's probably Whoopi Goldberg because I probably want to be Whoopi Goldberg more than I want to be anyone else. Like if you ask me who the coolest Starfleet captain of all time is, oh, it's Michael Burnham. Shut up. You're an idiot. But like if you ask me what captain do I want to be, it's Pike and not just because uh, Anson Mount has the biggest biceps of anybody in the history of Starfleet, which he does. Um, it's because he's cool. He's just cool. You know, I, I like who he is. And I'm bringing this up because Hollywood Squares um, is kind of the definition of cool. And Whoopi Goldberg remembered that from her childhood. Like the heyday of Hollywood Squares is the definition of cool. It was like, you know, Sinatra-esque guys, right? And so Whoopi Goldberg, like, bought Hollywood Squares and brought it back and had it on the air for years. And, like, the nanny appeared, other sitcoms appeared. You had Delta Godfrey, you know, just, like, shouting at people. You had Penn talking. You had Teller not talking. Um, it was quite a show but anyway whole thing here is i love to say circle gets the square uh yes, more than i love to blink um but 
it, the whole point of this game is is the celebrity lying St stupid like the actual point of hollywood squares is uniquely stupid and uh there's no amount of goodman todd convincing me that there is skill involved here that well, will... some of it is yeah. some of it is, is the celebrity lying and some of it is is the celebrity an idiot they're not always lying sometimes yeah, they're wrong big... and are and even will openly be like i don't know i could it's be just... wrong Martin Mull is laughing too hard because Dom DeLuise said the damnedest thing while Joan Rivers was talking about wanting to get fucked eating a ham sandwich. And like, oh, I love ham. No, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Give Melissa work. Um. So, anyway, uh, Hollywood Squares. Not Yours a was a little Megan Mullally. When is it not? So, uh, I don't know. Hollywood Squares not a big one for me. Anybody here a, a big Hollywood Squares man? No, uh, when we go to when we put it in conversation with uh, Family Feud and Celebrity Family Feud, I do like that they cut out the middleman and went right to celebrities and recognize you know the show wouldn't be interesting if not yeah. for some characters. Robbie from Des Moines, do you think this is a true statement? Uh, it's yeah. like yeah. When I was a teenager, they would have the audio commentaries on episodes by the writers instead of the actors. It's like, I don't know who these people are. I'm a child. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really I do appreciate that. It's like we're going to cut out the middleman and get right to the celebrities. Uh, this is one of those shows that, like, I feel like it could always have another renaissance if there was kind of some effort put into understanding what the zeitgeist is at the time like i think west hollywood squares featuring nothing but drag queens could be a fucking huge nailed it like there are pitches for this show that i think would be brilliant but they really wouldn't look anything like previous hollywood squares and they maybe would need to be on cable but i think they could do numbers youtube i would kill yeah. for yeah. Alyssa edwards as the center square on a Hollywood Squares on YouTube. Uh, you know, Akatya, like any of these women who have proven their personality, is, uh, Michelle Visage hosting as well. Like, you know, not to take anything from Rue, but uh, we can take a few things from Rue. She's fine. Let's get Michelle that money. She'll that's kind of what I want to say. You know? um, or like give it to a Ginger Minge who I think could do the first segment in drag and the second segment out of drag and would be great at it, you know? And that's kind of like the, the art there. I think this would also be a great way to channel how chaotic some of their things can be, which is why Drag Me to Dinner uh, isn't really seeming to work for us because that requires a little bit more focus than it has, whereas this just, it's very simple. It's hard to mess it up. Well, I mean, and, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Well, no, just, no, please. Uh, drag Me to Dinner, what's the point? The point here is when celebrity tic-tac-toe while the celebrities yeah. drink absinthe. Yeah. Like the point of dragging yeah. to dinner is drinks monsoon, drinks absinthe. That's not the same thing. I mean, also now having watched Crime Scene Kitchen, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Best uh, show in the world. Fantastic show. And like, 
I just don't see how the drag me to, to dinner producers didn't see that and do that. Because like we said, drag me to dinner isn't a game show because they're not actually competing. And then they're weirdly being judged as though they were. But I think maybe that's also fake. But like those drag queens trying to figure out what meal was made and how to make it would evoke a lot of the same notes but in a way that would actually be competitive oh God, and give cabaret. you something to work with what's that crime scene cabaret yeah instant the same thing with drag queens yeah uh, yeah I, I love crime scene kitchen way too much season one was one of the most legitimately engaging small-scale reality shows it's a really good show and, and joel McHale is legitimately the best he's ever been in his career at making fun of people be, who can't get away from him he might be uh my one little question mark about that but let's let's keep going so anyway hollywood squares uh is hollywood squares should reign again let's get hollywood squares back on the air with um cool people yeah kebo do you have any thoughts on um the entire deloise family playing tic-tac-toe with their bodies uh david deloise call me um i know right um before we take a look at what was i was expecting to be the hardest sell of all of the shows that matter to me but Jane Lynch made it the easiest sell in the world because oh, she's man. so charming. She's so good. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Hollywood Squares before we... Because she would have been a great center square before yeah. we transfer over to Weakest Link. I don't have any experience. So... I'll yeah. show you some like, good 60s stuff. Now, okay. I've said a million times like out loud really dramatically when we watch it. I think she might be one of the finest game show hosts of her generation. Like she transforms her persona. She's a different woman for this. It's an incredible performance. Kevo, you were so nervous when I asked you to watch this, but you were in it for Sue Sylvester. She's not Sue Sylvester. She's Jane no. Lynch, weakest link host. And how do you feel about the meanest uh, knowledge competition on TV being a lot of fun? I think by having played a character who was known for being as severe and toxic as Sue Sylvester, by pulling back from that, like, she still is less of you than Anne was, you know? And so I think having been Sue Sylvester really helped benefit her in terms of stepping into a role like this. I love that perspective. Now, TK, had you watched any of the Jane Lynch uh, Weakest Link prior to the uh, drag episode from uh, this week? Yes. Uh, I mean, she's I, been everywhere in Hollywood. Um, I, I wanted to watch a little, I wanted to see, you know, what was, what was different. And, um, I really didn't respond well to the original weakest link. Um, Kev, I think it's as sort of, as you pointed out, like the, the vitriol of the host was just like, I mean, she had some wit, but like 
some some group of producers and she and everybody decided like it would not be fun if she was winking and nudging at the guests no matter how mean she was she should always come like even if you could say she's having fun she's having fun being mean to them and of course it's a character and it's a show so you know it's not real real but like the mood was not enjoyable yeah um it's hard to watch it is hard to watch and nico to what you said i i think it's a different persona but the persona is the ultimate jane lynch pieces of all of her best characters and the things that we love about her uh all synthesized into somebody who can read like kind of like a drag queen does kind of like you know you're in on the joke it's not you know it's not how a drag queen does because it's really not that bad most of the time and when she really goes in hard the hardness is like you you just lost the money like it's not like you are the stupidest person i've met um and you know that she was sue who would say the worst possible version of the insults and that she does it now as jane lynch game show host who is in that same lane but driving at a reasonable 40 miles an hour as opposed to 100 it yep. just everything about it is it works um and it's the fact that it is so simple that it's just round after round that there's no like and now we change it totally up and like you have to shift seats and whoever says the second thing does the it's just get in the log flume right exactly it's just every round the money goes up and every like we just keep answering questions and eliminating people it all just flows very well the box Um, what (laughs) the box (laughs) hosted by matt leblanc um yeah, I just I'm I I was very impressed with this as somebody who like was really paying attention to the cultural milestone of the original Weakest Link and not enjoying it. Um, the only time I've ever liked the Weakest Link is that episode of Doctor Who. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that one up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and other than that, I just was one of those things where I was like, nope, not into it. Uh, nothing about this does it for me and this is the exact opposite very into it it all does it for me and i'm just uh super positive about this one i should clarify what i meant when i said i was going to bring that up is not just the android in series one of doctor who but the doctor who themed episode of the weakest link that featured all doctor who cast members from the david Tennant era and like that was a really cool thing and it was all doctor who questions but like even in that if it hadn't been the cast of doctor who and literally david tennant and camille Coduri, who plays jackie and people that i really loved and it's such a dick yeah and it's really difficult to watch even when sue is being like kind of sassy people all are naturally we love you jane you're great I couldn't picture someone being I love you, Anne, in the first place on the original and let alone Anne playing along with that in such a way where she wouldn't seem like she wants to effing kill you. She seemed so disdainful on the original. And yeah, like you said, it's a character. It's not what I'm enjoying watching. It's making it just 
it, it just makes it really difficult. And I think something else that helps this version versus the original is I remember the original version being a lot more like genuinely competitive. Whereas it feels like most of the people on this weakest link are truly idiots. They're never going to get the upper echelons of the prize money. And, you know, people actually were competitive like that for that level back uh, when this was on the air when we were younger. And I don't think there's that expectation anymore. You like to see people do well, but this isn't Jeopardy. It's the weakest link. And I think that one of the other really cool changes is the new set is stunning. Uh, it looks a lot like being a child and watching like a really bright city fly by. <laughs> it's uh, so ensconced in darkness with such bright peaks. It looks great. Um, it's a great design. I'm a really big fan of this format. Uh, I love uh, group knowledge work. I think uh, it's a really cool way to do it. And a uh, big fan. Um, you know, but... From one show I'm a big fan of to a couple of shows, uh, ABC did a really cool job re-engineering like the game show block. And uh, they did a number of shows all at once. And Press Your Luck, $100,000 Pyramid, and the RIP match game, uh, which again we saw two tapings of. So fun, so good. Uh, I got to sit near Melissa Fumero, which is uh, the closest I'll ever get to my wife uh ever in my life uh, you cause... made the getting shot episode but that uh you made the getting shot joke but we were there for the cop episode do you remember that that was we were and, and mario so... cantone was there for no reason and mario cantone is like yeah my agent just booked me on this one but we worked really hard and we found that i was in an episode of law and order for one scene for six seconds and i have one line of dialogue in 1996 so let's show it up on the the prompter and so he's there for it and it's actually just that Mario Cantone being a, a good old New York faggot uh, just did the New York game show circuit really beautifully. He was an old school New York faggot in the spirit of the great old school New York faggots. And by that, I mean, daddy, call yeah. me for a good time. Um, anyway, so to press your luck and hundred thousand dollar pyramid, I actually put these specifically in the category of deluxe celebrity shows more than anything. Uh, these are about the celebrity interaction. These are really about I'm a normal person and I'm playing alongside Kathy and Jimmy. Why do I bring up Kathy and Jimmy? Let's talk about it. Kathy and Jimmy was on Pyramid when she was in acting school. And made so much money on Pyramid while in acting school, she paid her rent for multiple years so she could pursue her dream of acting. And that is why she did seven episodes of $100,000 Pyramid, because she wanted to help pay that dream forward. It is of note that she holds the record for two of the five best games of the Michael Strahan era. She is an unbelievable pyramid player. She is quick. She is sharp. Uh, same can be said for Cheryl Hines, Bobby Moynihan. Uh, seeing celebrities be sharp on $100,000 pyramid is uh, really incredible. Um, now, the way that I feel that uh, pressure luck is celebrity interaction is whereas Michael Strahan acts as the host. 
with Match Game or Press Your Luck, the direct engagement with the host is the thing, is the driving factor. So I, I think Michael Strahan is one of the most uh, phenomenal celebrities we've gotten from sports ever. What a, a great guy. What a lot of fun. Um, charming, intelligent, uh, so handsome. Uh, I think that um, he's not the draw the way getting to sit opposite Bob Odenkirk and being like, oh my God, Saul's helping me win $100,000 is the draw. Yeah. I think Elizabeth Banks is the draw. I think, you know, that's that's Jack's wife. That's Jack's baby's mama. That's, you know. Effie Trinket. That's Effie Trinket. That's, um, I forgot her name Flickerman. in Pitch Perfect, but um, yeah, yep. she's also producer of Pitch Perfect and um, she's like the worst Bosley ever if you think about it. Or the best. Or know. the best. Um, yeah. Uh, she's the she's the person who points out that Spider-Man and Batman keep getting new movies no matter how bad they are, so it's absurd to think that she shouldn't get another Charlie's Angels. And I completely agree. Oh yeah, no. Elizabeth Banks can do no wrong. I, I, you know, I say that facetiously, but you know, anybody. Oh no, made... I know, and and she's a fantastic host. You uh, literally watch me sob watching yes. Press Your Luck. Yes, sob. which uh, I I don't share those emotions, but I really enjoy watching it, and uh, I I think that that is not an easy sell that show is not an easy sell i don't think conceptually it is enjoyable on its own uh i think she shepherds you the viewer and the audience into a really good time uh and her vibe is a big part of uh what makes it good i think the producer should actually tell the audience to cool it um and and the and the players like the players are often giving me a price is right freak out vibe that i'm not really wanting uh but elizabeth banks is there to keep the keel even big bucks no whammies big bucks no whammies. stop ah! is that how you would do it that's how everyone does it yeah kevo ah! when or yeah when pandemic struck, we were uh, in a not great place mentally. But one of the things that was crazy is our game shows came back pretty quick. And uh, shows like Press Your Luck, watching everybody from the state of California um, press a buzzer between two plexiglass dividers actually brought like a lot of comfort. Uh, what is it about these shows that works for you? Me? Yeah. Okay. Um, these two in specific? Yeah, just like, you know, the mainstays. Or, and throw in match game. We just didn't, uh, we just didn't put in a, a slide for it because why put such an easy target? Um, pretty loaded topic. I don't mean to blank on air. I just I I, I hadn't realized the question was going to be directed at me. I'm well, I'm running the board. no, no. I'll give you a minute. Like while you're getting yourself together, one of the things I think is so funny is that Pressure Luck even has the whammy, which is like um, a character unto itself. I think the whammy is the most annoying thing about the show. Yeah. Um. It's it wastes my time. 
uh, I just want to get to more show. If you just went, wah, wah, and then like went back to the show, it'd be fine. But I get why the animation is part of the game. Um, people just want to have a good time and think the animation is silly and fun. And like, you know, Kevin, one of the things like, we watch like 22 of these a year, along with like to tell the truth. Why do these shows work for us? You know, Press Your Luck is a weird one, though, because only half of Press Your Luck ever works for me. I don't care about the Q&A part. You care about we the part even... that just got added to this version. What? Like the oh, big no, money I meant stuff, like the yeah. pressing in general, but yeah, oh, no, really, absolutely. Really. Yeah, you're right. It's the middle part that had always been there, and then this new end part that adds so much more to it. But it's 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 because I, I was saying to you once it's sort of like press your luck is a giant scale version of Plinko where it's not that the part where you're guessing the prices of items to get the chips doesn't matter, but it also doesn't, especially on press your luck, because even if you don't get a certain number of spins, you might pick up more, you can still go to the end. And so the Q and a is just sort of like a tedious first half. For me, where I'm like, it doesn't matter which one of these people is the smartest. It's just going to go the way it's going to go at the end of the day, either way. Uh, Pyramid, this one is always more interesting uh, because it really depends on your celebrities. I don't, I remember this contestant, this dude, weirdly, but I don't remember this episode with Snoop and Questlove. I don't remember. How, you're muted. I remember it being Questlove because I remember like plotting. But like, I don't remember how their play was. Whereas some celebrities, you're like, holy shit, I did not know they were going to be this smart. Uh, well, uh, seeing from the fact that it's nine to four, that's not two great rounds. No, no, not really. I'm not surprised that Snoop would perhaps not be the best at this. Yeah, I'm and he glad seems he a little bit too relaxed. Is. Yeah, and that's one of those things. Some celebrities will be like, "Yeah, whatever, I tried." No, this is, this is, this is, this is a vast, this is vastly removed from the prices Right, where anybody could get on stage and anybody could win. You are shackled to this celebrity. There's an episode of Friends in the tenth season where Joey is the celebrity on, uh, on, on literally Pyramid, hosted by at the time Donny Osmond. And God, Joey is terrible. And this guy who's playing with Joey is just devastated because I, I have debt. I, I have four kids going to college. I was really hoping I would win something here. And Joey doesn't care. He's making thousands of dollars being on Days of Our Lives. And whereas then you also get celebrities like Kathy and Jimmy who... For as much as we talked about her being great at this game, God, is she also competitive? And come on, you can do this! Whoa, yeah, exactly. Calm down, Kathy. Don't yell at this person. It's okay. Uh, so this one is really, you never know what game you are sitting down to get. Whereas Press Your Luck, apart from the odds, if you don't know what you're going to hit, it's pretty much the same game that you're getting every time because it's so heavily focused on elizabeth that it's really her show and it's really her guiding you and holding your hand and helping you make these decisions i love that and i love looking at it from that perspective and uh from some mainstays 
I want to do a kind of lightning round tour of some of the best of game shows, past, present, recent, uh, kind of a, a broad stroke look at so much of it. And let's kick things off with uh, a recent overlooked gem. Uh, I thought don't from uh, Adam Scott and Ryan Reynolds was quite truly one of the most perfect game shows ever. It's an absurdist dream. It's like, what if there was a game show at the black lodge on twin peaks that was forced to be narrated by a capitalist pig. It is really a striking opportunity to take a look at what if a game show was angry that it had to be a game show. The buzzer gets a backstory and a family. Um, the props are actually people in suits and have names. It's a weird, great show, and I just wish more people had watched it. It's like if Adam Scott's character from Party Down had gotten a game show and it was narrated by Deadpool. Like, not to just pull from their characters, but that's a lot of where the inspiration for their performances seem to come from. It is this very strange show. I absolutely see where uh, a lot of people didn't get it, even though I feel like so much of it, there isn't really much to get. Like this game, the the one with the tires, it's just you have to answer certain questions and the tires will come down. And if you answered right, the person doesn't get hit. And if you answered wrong, they get hit by a giant it's, monster truck tire that falls from the sky, basically. It's so simple, but perhaps it is the existential monologue that Ryan Reynolds goes on while explaining the don't button that has the simple function of you know stopping whatever but he talks about how the don't button was never loved by his father and how he just dreamed that his father will be here for his television debut and because like, he comes from a lot. long line of don't buttons or like uh how many commercials I, I, we'll talk about during this trying time five five commercials we'll talk about during this trying time i forget which one of the play matches has a name it's and, like matchy uh, or something. You said it was matchy, but I think it's like Donald. I'm not sure. It's something. Like and and they they put so much thought and continuity into this show in a really weird way where it was clearly something that Ryan Reynolds just really loved and instead it got canceled and so he had to buy a football team. So Okay. Any thoughts, Teak? This is one I have not watched yet. Uh, well, I hope you give it a chance and enjoy it. It is on the list now. I'm very happy that I have access to it. And uh, I honestly did not know this even existed, but your descriptions alone, I feel like, dear listener, if you take anything away from this, I think this is really the one to give a shot to. This is one of the ones that I definitely would love to do a whole episode about. Because, Heck yeah. like... Oh, it's 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 so short and so beautiful. Kevin Adam looks Scott looks really cute there. Come on, he does. Oh, Very yeah. handsome. And um, oh, what's his name? Um, one of those brothers who's on that football team, Hemsworth. No, um, this is killing me because I'm so like I can see both of them 
The Mannings? Yes, thank you. I'm like, I can see Eli. I can see Peyton. Uh, Eli Manning is a costumed anthropomorphic character in it. Right. I forgot about that. And is like barely credited. Keva, what's next up on the list? Uh, another thing that was very short-lived and beautiful. I can't even you... believe that I put this on this list. I think I think like I could possibly talk about this and like I could think I could hold it together. Yeah, but you saying it. the Mannings reminded me of the Cutler brothers and the fact that Ultimate Tag didn't end up on this list. There's so many short-lived, beautiful, bizarre little things, and the Hustler was definitely one of them. Yeah, the Hustler is one of these people. One of these four people sitting here is actually fascinating, and the whole episode is describing their lives, and all four people are well, like promised to start. tell the truth. Except it's four the whole time. Um, I thought um, it's more than four. This was just the picture I got. It's like six, maybe. Oh, I think but it's, it's six. It's yeah, more than four. Um, and, and it narrows down quickly. And you wind up with just, you know, a handful of three people. And it's uh, who's the hustler who's lying this whole time. It was a phenomenal thought experiment. It's based on a format from another country. Uh, Craig Ferguson really played a phenomenal character. Uh, the whole thing was like a booby-trapped library in a mansion. And he had invited you here to be part of his family. And, like, it was very, you know, fun. Uh, lasted two or three years. Really a silly good time. And I only wish that it was uh, longer lasting. Well, and part of what I loved about the Booby Trapped set is they were so weirdly meta about it that they treated oh, it no, like it you're was going so... through the Booby Trapped. Oh, we're putting you in the bookcase and you're gone now. Goodbye. Like, they didn't, like play into it in a serious way it was almost begrudging but it, it, it that made it funnier and yes. it was just so cool and so fun and god damn the number of times that they got us and we really really thought we knew who the hustler was and we were mistaken um it's another one i would love to go back and rewatch because really interesting don't the hustler do 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 we'll do an episode called don't the hustler um tk there's another one that i really recommend that you go back and watch if you get a chance it's just a great thought experiment and how to lie to people about who you are without actually telling that many lies i love it i'm there keva what's next up on this super cool list of super cool shows oh okay so uh this is i think the closest thing i have to church um the Price is Right is like, um, you know, the win prizes show of all time. Um, you know, you win everything from a car to a set of golf clubs to a jacuzzi to a vacation to money to nothing to a pen. Because sometimes it's like you could win the $19 prize, the $190 prize, or the $19,000 prize. And some idiots win the $19 prize. Um, I say idiots lovingly. Uh, so I I just want to say this once and I'm, you know, I don't want to cry or anything on screen, but like the hardest thing for me is that I'm a very social person for all the ways that I'm like a curmudgeon and don't like humans. I'm a very social person and I really thrive on interaction and I thrive on being with people and I thrive on like touching and I thrive on like uh, the enculturation of society and COVID meant I lost that. 
And uh, I have this really clear memory of being a kid and Letterman coming back after 9-11 and being like, does any one bit of this make one damn lick of sense? And then just trying to like go forward. And I have this really clear memory of Drew Carey being like, I don't know how we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing this. We're doing everything as safe as we can, but we had to come back for you guys. Like people need something to feel good right now. So a lot of our first episodes are about first responders only. A lot of our first episodes, you have to be a first responder to be on or you can't be on it. And, um, you know, Devin, Jimmy, Alexis, Rachel, Manuela, and uh, Amber, all six did it. George, uh, Drew, um, oh, mighty sound effects lady, every big Ah. shot over on this show um was like one of the very few things that pulled me out of feeling hopeless during covid and it's the kind of thing where like you know drew carey knows he has an effect on people but he can't know that i was like giving up and this one little bit of normalcy came back it's not that it was perfect it's not that it was the best the show had ever been or anything the new set was cool the new design was cool and i love that they purposely keep uh seats apart um it was just cool and i'm very grateful uh kevo i know you have a similar relationship and tk i know um you have the antithetical relationship so for you the price is so wrong uh guys talk to me tpir me and, you know, I, I really appreciate you bringing up, you know, how much it meant for, to us when uh, it was during the pandemic. And I specifically included the image of what the stage had looked like in the lower left corner there, uh, where they had the podiums on the stage, where everyone had to stand apart inside their little circles. Yeah. And it was just, I, I think that that season is streaming now on Paramount. Um, it's uh, it's like such six or really, seven episodes. It's such a really fascinating one to go back if you can. Uh, you know, watch some pre-pandemic episodes for what it used to look like. Watch some of that season, and then the the upper right is the way that it looks now, and the way that they've changed. Uh, the Price Is Right uh, post-pandemic so much for the better, and the way that they worked so hard you know these bright colors aren't a lie they really just want to bring joy and it brings so many different people uh in so many different ways and i didn't even notice until i was looking at it just now um that there's a fucking snake in the image that i picked. i could not believe you put an image with a snake and that is even a huge part of the price is right so i'm glad it was there by accident so you literally image, comes for those people he goes oh you, you just had to do it image, you had to bid your dollar clearly yellow went first with 1700 mm-hmm. then green with 1300 mm-hmm. then red with 2000 then blue said what were the other bids and heard oh, what the other bids were I'm and sorry, said, I got to um, do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've got to, I know it's your birthday. I'm really sorry. And I fucking hate every single one of those people. And I cheer so hard when they get up there and it's, ah, ah, ah. Oh, you didn't win your prize. And they seem so bitter because some of it really is also enjoying watching people who play a game like this rudely sometimes fall on their fucking face because it is people from all walks of life and you've got the people that play fairly 
and you've got maybe this is the last round and this is that person's sixth round because they've been here since the beginning of the game and when that happens i start to go i get it you've been standing up there for a fucking hour we've all been luchied i'm not gonna get on you know you're not gonna get on stage and this is so devastating and you're desperate and sometimes it was the first round and you're just an asshole and you did it every time we've literally seen it be like 1100 you're all over oh my god that's so satisfying he laughs at them so one uh, of the things that makes you carry the greatest game show host of our generation is he will literally lose his composure on stage uh like a fallon corpse uh, which I think should we called it corpsing, but I think that's triggering. So we should just start to call it Falloning. Um, Breaking. He'll yeah, sure. Um, but I I would rather take the shot at Jimmy Fallon. He um he just he just giggles and he's like, I can't believe you said that. What a dumb thing to say on TV. <laughs> I hope he, you win. He cares so much about making a good show, and he gets so upset. If everyone isn't winning, he apologizes to the audience at home. If there is a double over on the showcase, I'm so I'm sorry. Really guys, sorry. It happens. Please come back again tomorrow. We uh, love making we'll have a winner. Like he's afraid every episode that they're going to get canceled <laughs> because everyone's going to stop watching because it wasn't a good enough episode. He is so dedicated to everyone winning, everyone having a good time, and it's so much of what draws you in. He wants to give away the whole goddamn house. He does not care. Win millions. Win a double showcase. He wants it. And that is one of the things that makes it so easy to watch and so easy to root for. Now let's get the opposite take. Uh, Let's get uh, the Electra Complex to our uh, Oedipus Complex. Let's get a... Let's get somebody who thinks that Drew Carey should uh, be canceled. Let's get a guy who was pro Bob Barker. Um, I, Bob Barker is worse than Drew Carey, but it's a yeah, let's not. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so let's start there. Bob Barker creeped me out. Didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be able to watch Bob stuff. I'm not taking that from you. I love this stuff. Yeah. Can't watch old. Uh, I don't like the aesthetic. Uh, I don't like the freaking out uh that everybody does and like screaming and jumping on stage that's weird i love uh, it when they run past the staircase two or three times because they're oh so excited they've forgotten how to use their eyes yeah. people are maniacs um the i don't like the aesthetics of the set and then i also don't like the aesthetics of a lot of the prizes they are things that when i see them i don't want them in my home <laughs> Uh, and you know, if it's a car, it's a car, it's fine. But like a lot of like dinette sets and like you know, a lot of the I don't want this whole living room. I didn't pick this. And I did not pick this. Uh, the <laughs> Where am I going to put this sauna? Uh, yeah. And it's <laughs> like, an oh, great. An above ground pool. Fantastic. An inflatable above ground pool. I don't uh, care that the boat has a bimini top. I'm in a landlocked state. Yeah, like, oh, good. I'm a top. I need a bimini bottom. A pontoon boat. Fantastic. My dream. Um, So, yeah, just like, um, also, I don't know what things cost. How much did a banana cost? $8. (laughs) And you send your grocer to the store for some milk, which is $10 a gallon. Um. 
Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know what things cost. I. Uh, this I is what just... makes me think about that, though. This is like what has helped, like not helped, because you know so many of the prizes are chaotic. But like, sure. it's only by the experience of watching that I'm like, oh no, that that bid's too high. Right. I I definitely get that. I know I could settle into that aspect where I'd watch it more. Uh, but yeah, I oh I I also don't like the music. Um, yeah, I don't love anything about the prices. Uh, the one episode that you made me watch that I did enjoy was the one that you guys did not like. Rachel Brosnahan managed to make <laughs> she was the not right truly painful as the guest's co-host. Her screwing up the show was the one thing that for me got it on track and the pantsuit. Um, well, speaking of things that keep shows on track, Wayne Brady's abs. Um, mm. Wayne Brady is one of the most beautiful men to ever walk the earth. So that he hosts Let's Make a Deal, which, okay, we have to talk about this really briefly, really gingerly. Kevo maintains that he doesn't understand how what is, in my opinion, the yeah. simplest game show of all time operates. And so he doesn't want to understand it. So after he's 40 and that's a deal. I'm not made. learning it. I'm just so, not learning it. So we're just going to talk about this really briefly, but to say that <laughs> let's make a deal is a functional understanding of the probability matrix is really important. Um, you should dress like an asshole and you should uh, lock in on your first probability choice. And that's that's how probability works, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's it's 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 really basic math, guys. So um, I get really angry, which is why we don't watch. Let's make a deal. I become irrationally angry when people are like, oh, well, now it's 50 50. No, it's not. It's still one third because the prizes didn't change by removing one of the doors you did not remove one of the bad prizes so it's still one third so i can't do let's make a deal in the first place it it brings out something really ugly in me and uh so we don't do let's make a deal even though uh, i would subscribe to wayne brady's only fans um any passing thoughts on lmad not for me. This is one that I just don't have a ton of experience with. I do agree that Wayne Brady is a fantastic host. Oh, and he's such an incredible singer. He was so great in Chicago. Just really, what a talent. And I really get you where this is one where strategy actually could really pay off for you. You know, Price is right. The only way strategy can pay off for you is if you study prices at grocery stores and like department stores all the time which sure you can do but then that is a very specified skill as opposed to let's make a deal being mathematics like you're saying and so it's very frustrating when uh yeah so our next show uh, i did not know tk did we watch this together did you uh click an episode on your own. I, I don't remember watching this one together. So I feel like you checked this one out on your own, which is very exciting. Um, 
I think Crime Scene uh, Confidential. Uh, I Crime Scene Confidential. Jesus Christ, that's a, a show I watch on Discovery. Uh, I think Crime Scene Kitchen uh, is one of the most exciting, energized ways to take a look at cooking. I love the fake clues. You can see that the eggs were never yes. cracked. Well, I forgot about the fake clues. So hot. Oh. Um, I I just and season one is one of the most fulfilling wins of a season long reality show like ever in my lifetime. Uh, I just think Crime Scene Kitchen is a win top to bottom across the board, uh, and that. This is Joel McHale being the best you're going to get from him is charming. I really agree with all of that. Um, my I'm this is the best that you're going to get from Joel McHale today as a host. Uh, the fact that he was Joel McHale host of the soup before he was any of the other stuff sort of blows my mind that now I, I can't really get behind him in most things. I don't know how he did a unlikable role so well it became likable, but then he became less likable the better he played Jeff Winger, and everything after that has not been good to me, and he just increasingly seems like not a nice dude, not one to watch, um... He is the only person that the hair plug surgery was so successful, but it doesn't look good <laughs> compared to how he looked before. And I feel like he was like, it worked the first time, so we're going to do it 16 more times. And now he has like two full heads of hair. Um. Anyway... Men, you don't need to worry this much about losing your hair. You're handsome no matter what you do. That is the disgusting joy of being a man. Um, he's really good in this. I think the most off-putting part for me is like, why is Joel McHale hosting this? Joel McHale, I don't think, has ever done anything besides have a quickie in the kitchen. Um, I, just ah. don't, I don't buy it. Uh, I love... Um, budget paul hollywood great guy really just uh enthusiastic about the whole thing no i mean like i'm ripping on these people a little bit but the show itself is a dynamite concept um because it's true you in the real world you can walk into a kitchen and see what's going on and start to make some educated guesses about what you're about to eat and I think it was brilliant to realize that. And I think although I would be fascinated to see the food being made because, you know, the, the clues are not the clues are set. It's it's set dressing. Um, they didn't make the dish and leave the kitchen. But I think that would actually be an even cooler way to do it. Um you know, and since they do have two groups, it would be an interesting back and forth to have like one group making something that then the second group has to guess what they made. You know, it I, anyway, um, it's a fascinating show. It's they really came up with a good concept. This is a show that anybody can and should 
get into in terms of like you should you should be paying attention to the clues and knowing what these ingredients might mean that it, it can make you a better cook um yeah i just i i mean i could go on but ultimately this this is one that's really worth watching and worth playing along with did you do this one with us and i don't remember it or did you do this one on your own on my own okay feel better and the fact that it is such an expansive gameplay that it is both the crime scene the crime scene element and the reconstruction element where like you're not just trying to figure it out you're also required to make something that is good and impressive so it's 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 not something where there is almost a single second where there isn't gameplay and i really like that too a lot of game shows it can sort of feel like there's these down moments but this always keeps you engaged yep speaking of shows that i love but there's some down moments uh i think next is probably is it cake with mikey day um i loved is it cake uh with mikey day i thought this was great but But yeah exactly the number of down moments was a little striking the amount of same same like and i even did yeah this was just one that like i do want to see it get a second season because it was engaging but if it got cut down to 20 minutes and six episodes and you did two seasons a year, I'd enjoy that uh, just as much as I enjoyed what I got. Uh, Mikey Day's charming. He's been charming since Wild and Out. He was great on Maya and Marty. Um, he's a strong writer. He's a great performer. But that's not enough to carry a show that's, is this a purse or is it cake? Let's see how sharp my hankles are. <sighs> I am less, I feel less great about this than I think you do. I love uh, a 30 second TikTok where a cell phone turns out to be a cake. I don't love a whole game show about it. And I, I don't love what it means culturally when we take a concept that plays well in a 30 second clip and some producer desperately puts together a pitch so they can, you know, please an exec and climb up the horrifying corporate ladder. Geico caveman, which I, I was just having a conversation about because it was canceled during the writer's strike. Geico caveman. Um, yeah, just like stop, stop doing that. And if you are a viewer, stop, supporting that uh which, no but support this one because mikey did. i was gonna say which ignore the advice for this one particular thing because the guys really like it and i respect that um but i think it's even also in a matter of how it is produced and mm-hmm. what you're also reacting to is an overproduction of this and we're even saying as well like you can only carry this so far uh you're not going to make some kind of intensive emotional arc you know people love cooking shows so i really think that there is absolutely grounds and an audience for people being interested in learning because this was a thing you know people making realistic cakes and not being able to tell and so drawing that meme out into seeing people doing it and the work that goes into it and how realistic it can be that the judges they bring in are very frequently tricked but you, you 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 can't too dramatically overproduce it without it getting very thin and frankly kind of boring you need to um make sure you are producing 
within uh, what the concept can contain. You know, you're saying cut it down to 20 minutes. Why can't a show be 15 minutes? Like, this is a new era of television production where I feel like we don't need to be working within those same formats. You know, it can be longer than a TikTok, but it doesn't need to be a full half hour length. Great. Um, One of the things that I think this show brought to the table weirdly and inventively was the aspect of cut competitors stayed on to act as the audience for the remaining competitors. And that was a really weird thing that we'd never seen before in this sort of competitive uh, television. Uh, We'd fallen in love with Johnny Cakes here on the bottom right. And who has so, you know, liked a number of my God, he's gorgeous tweets. So, hey, Johnny Cakes. Hey, Johnny. Um, come on the show. We'll talk about is it cake? And, Thanks. you know, that's one of those things about these shows where you will fall in love with certain contestants. And when they're gone, they're gone. And I really love shows that challenge that uh, because a lot of these people are contracted for the entire season anyway. So find fun and inventive ways to keep cut competitors around. I think a lot more shows should be doing that. And to a show that I wish had not been cut and had stayed around a little bit longer, Kevo, I saw that it's a a prepared slide. And gosh, I am so excited to talk about one Mr. Tommy Maitland. Uh, Uh, So the gong show is a show of, is your talent ridiculous? Is your talent like underwater ventriloquism while upside down getting hit in the stomach with a pillow? Great. Come on the gong show. You're going to win. Um, the gong show is just or not or not. The gong show is a ridiculous show. Uh, the celebrity judges aren't really judging. They're just saying whether or not they think you're stupid, like literally. Um, and this version uh, that was most recently on ABC was masterminded by Mike Myers, who created a fictional game show host named Tommy Maitland, who was kind of like a disgraced hit over in the uk and was coming over disgrace just but like you know faded yeah faded star coming over to do his first american show and he starts it with you should know all of his bits so the audience is coached on it who's a cheeky monkey you are and i love you you yeah that's why i love you it's, it's the, he, great. It's this fake aged game show host. And it's genuinely one of the greatest characters he's ever done. Really? He's so lovable and affable and really was a huge element of what we enjoyed about the show. And again, it's not even talent. It's like, you yeah. know, can you yodel yes. on a trampoline? It's that's all it is. It's just like, what dumb thing can you do? Uh, any experience with the gong show, Teak? Uh, more with the original, uh, because I was a TV and film studies major and got into some of this stuff. But I have seen what little I've seen of the new Gong Show is through you guys. Um, I do love that blurred reality line that Mike Myers is doing. I think that's a really fascinating element to introduce into this current field of game shows. I think a little more fictional touches would be really interesting and yeah gong show is um is is fun if nothing else it's a lot more fun than like america's got talent 
Yes, which I mean, I'd love to be on by all means. Howie Mandel, Paisan, brother of the scalp. But, you know, um, it's a tough one because, like, if you are a performer, if you are especially a singer or musician performer, you're, like, vaguely on your own show. And then it's like if there is a guy who can cook an entire meal with just his toes as hands, that's who you're competing against, when, which is like, okay, cool that you dedicated the time to figuring that out. But like, this is my craft. I wrote a song that is my my heart. And it, so it's just always weird. Um, and he might win. The toe guy yeah, might win. That's what I'm saying. Like, he might win. Um and, you know, I just like the fact that there are, again, to take it to social media, that there are like two categories of video. One is musician plays song and is amazing. And the other one is look at this freak. Uh, but they're both on the same show. It's just kind of like uh, it's weird. I don't know. It's very weird. It's the same thing on Drag Race when they do the talent shows. And I'm like, either you are actually performing or you have come out to introduce your single now available on iTunes that you are lip syncing to with passable choreography. Bunch uh, of light. Or it's ice. And that was that was such a gong show moment for Irene. That's the thing too. And like it's it's a hard sell for some people. It's hard yeah. for some people to appreciate the absurdity that there can be on this show. Yeah. And I included um Joel McHale on this one. He's actually an Easter egg in a few of these slides. I don't know if you guys saw him on the Let's Make a Deal oh, one. Oh, I caught him on uh, Let's Make a Deal, and I caught him on I, uh, Crime Scene Confidential. No, well, I, um, mean, I meant, I meant uh, is it cake? Was he in that one? Mm-hmm. I believe you even. that's Yeah, holy shit, I didn't even remember. But it's so funny how many of these shows he ends up on. Uh, but I included him here because he is one of the more chaotic uh, judges on gong show where that's the thing about this show is sometimes ah, i don't like your hat gong gong you're done and you know the other celebrities will physically try to restrain you from hitting the gong but that's if he gets to it he gets it and it's over and it's just such a weird chaotic type of show and it can be fun but it can also be just awful. chaos yeah <laughs> What's next on our hit parade of hit game shows of history? You tell me. We got, we got, we got, uh, we got oh, a what's few our left next board? Well, I don't know. Are you going by the script? <laughs> oh, um, actually. So this is one that I have some experience with. Um, this is my pick, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it's also Jonah's pick and yeah. has asked us to watch, you know, many an episode. Um, and the the best experience I have with them actually is literally watching it and being Rachel Bloom uh, saying word for word the things she's saying as she's saying them in real time. As Jonah looks on proud of me. Um, I love, um, actually it's a brilliant concept. Uh, it is a well-played game show. It, this like could turn into such a broader conversation, uh, because like what college humor has turned into is something really fantastic. And the fact that they have their own 
streaming service now called Dropout, for which they produce a ton of really phenomenal content that just feels to me so much more like where I want creativity to be going and like media produced for other people to be going. Um, and this show just really represents uh, a really special part of that. It's easy to play. It's uh, it's difficult. Like you, if you are in the culture, which is like primarily nerd culture, you probably will get a lot of what is being asked. So, you know, the point is you, you say, um, actually they, they present a fact and you're supposed to say, um, actually, uh, it's not Admiral Picard, it's Captain Picard, which is way too easy of one to do. But, um, you know, um, actually he is an Admiral. Uh, yeah, um, actually by Picard, he's achieved Admiralty. He achieved there you go. Uh, 2380. Um, that it would be something where you would, you would have that exact interaction where you would go, no, he's, he's actually uh captain Picard. And then you kind of reverse it back. And it's like, he actually is an admiral um, that it can go in so many different directions. And the, um, actually can really just be a slight trick of the wording that you have to notice and not a fact that is actually incorrect. It's a, just a very subtle game. Um, and that, <laughs> Ally Galactic. Love you, Ally. Um, actually, it's Rear Admiral Adama. Oh, there's a distinction. I have no idea what it is, though. Um, actually, it's <laughs> Dad, and Dad's a jerk. Dad Dama. Uh, it's actually it Captain is. Adama Scott, and uh, he's the host of Don't Be a Cylon. Yeah. That. That's actually really brilliant concept uh Battlestar to watch the game shows um anyway i love i love a lot of what college humor is doing um actually is a really fantastic show uh dropout is well worth the money and i pay it because i want to support the this like generation of content creators that said so much of this is available on youtube and but probably forbid watching you, try this, to... you know that but you know you should be watching it god forbid you try to buy their mixer set because they only accept amex and mastercard and discover so don't the, have a visa, and they don't take PayPal. The th yeah. Uh, okay. The thing about dropout content, though, is that there's just frequently, I feel, just this slightest edge of clubhouse attitude to it. Yes. I where... mean, that, that is the big critique. And it's not everyone, because um, the person that I least feel it from is from one of jonah's favorite shows on the network game changers yep. where i feel like sam really has a lot more of the attitude that we tend to appreciate on this show where it is about fun it is about making sure everyone have is having a good time whereas i feel like a lot of the attitude i feel from dropout content is very if we care about it then it matters and if we don't care about it, but you do care about it, you're the loser. And that's way harsh, Ty. I just want everyone to have a good time. And I, and you know, I also am very, I'll even use the word smarmy about the things that I know and other people don't. But, you know, you never want to come across a certain way. And there's just a fine line and it's when it goes over that fine line that it just i don't want it to i don't want it to rub me the wrong way i want to just enjoy it um 
because I, I would be nice to them if they come on our show. So come on, on sh our show and play bracketeering. And it's just a nice, fun, chill time. I also think, like, to that clubhouse idea, they, it's all the same people. Um, you know, there's, they don't really have uh, contestants for, for the show. It's a lot of the same, you know, Brendan Lee Mulligans in like every other episode. Uh, but they're not getting people off the streets, let's say. You know, they're not, you don't, you can't apply to go to a taping and be a contestant or anything like that. It's their crew that are the contestants every time or people that are friends of theirs. Uh, it's very much like a, if you are in New York or LA and you do comedy or writing or, you know, a it's lot a of groundling this, thing. Yeah. Then, mm -hmm. you know, you probably know somebody who knows Renly Mulligan and then the person that was supposed to be on got sick. So now this is your opportunity. And that's really the only way you're showing up to this group as an unknown, which to me, when you said clubhouse, that was actually the first thing that came to mind, which is my big problem with it. Uh, which is just that like, and I get it because it, it, this is all not produced by a company with network television money. But if I could see one big change and like place of growth for them as like a network, it would be to move the dial ever so slightly in that, like, make the everyman appear in some of this stuff a little bit more for me it's like i i love the content i've seen i think they're such phenomenally talented creators it's where i'm like you could quickly google and see that that is actually not the correct fact and like some of the um actuallys it's like ignoring basic facts to get a punchline which is cool but then it's not actually a trivia show it's a joke show which is sort of like a different thing. So like if I could move the dial in one direction, it's either be a little bit more. We're very funny. Like uh, it's um, whose line is it anyway? Or move a little bit more accuracy based. But that's like the one thing where I find myself. I'm like, no, that's actually not the correct thing. And saying that that's correct. It's not correct. And a quick Google would fix it. So that's always where I'm like, that's the benefit of Jeopardy having $100,000 to do fact-checking. That's the magic of a network having these deep pockets to support uh, a yeah. show. They have the lead time. You know, a question on Jeopardy takes like nine months from development to execution. So they have that time to make sure there's no mistakes a lot of the nature of, you know, what we do with bracketeering, of what we do with our show Deal Breakers, which you can check out at FlameCon uh, this upcoming August, you know, is people who make game shows. I know the struggle. Like, no one's going to be able to watch Deal Breakers and say that it's objective. It's a wholly yeah. subjective idea. And I think that's one of the things that something like an um actually provides that the weakest link doesn't. Um, actually is genuinely subjective, whereas The Weakest Link is objective. Is Red Pretty is very different than what shade is HTML's code for red. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's like part of the evolution of game shows. We've got to start seeing these things move the dial. Yeah, We've got to start seeing that shift. And I think that's a little bit where things like a project runway or a drag race doesn't really get lumped in with game shows, but that's what competitive reality shows are. Uh, they're game shows. 
And I, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, especially about like one moving the dial to like the reason why I like that we produce some game show content is because I think, you know, we kind of all have to be the change we want to see in the world with this stuff. And I do think, uh, as with everything else, I'm as interested in grassroots movements to make those changes as I am, uh, the big networks really changing things. Mm. Uh, it's the same reason why I like, to read independent and create our own comics in addition to Marvel comics. It's why my favorite medium is uh, audio drama podcasts because, you know, that is real people with real people money telling me stories. And I find them endlessly entertaining uh, and, and, you know, want to support them and see people make a living doing that in that same way. I want to see people making a living off of coming up with interesting modes of play that work well as shows uh i think one of the coolest things to happen to drag race as a reality tv show competition game show is the introduction of dragula which is so much more uh yes you know grassroots for lack of a better term it's on youtube it's you know so much realer but it's amazing seeing how the hunger for drag content led to this really low budget show creating some absolute celebrities and doing a lot of work to bridge that gap for people that were like the drag waist queens are celebrities of the caliber of like anybody you see on MTV and that queen at my local bar is a nobody. I think Dragula really helped to let people understand the landscape so much better and to make it possible to entertain in that landscape uh, a lot easier. And I just, I think there's so much room to do that in the game sphere in terms of like how it functions as entertainment. I think that's a great perspective. And to uh, just sort of run through a few more shows and uh, call it an evening. Um, I want to just say that there's also an entire genre of game shows that we maybe haven't mentioned, but like Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, man. Guts. Double Dare. The Nick King Arcade. Kingdom. Yeah. Nick, Nick Arcade, Arcade was the game changer one. for me. Everybody wants to sing all their thoughts because they watch Nick Arcade and that's what he did. We're going to do an episode about some of the weird and dumb 90s game shows that we had on Nickelodeon. I Nick Arcade was just like so frustrating because the kids would try to play the game and it never worked and you wanted it to work. And why aren't we trying? Why aren't we making Nick Arcade now? Why is uh, Family Double Dare coming back hosted by uh, Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard? there's been some recent double dares but i don't know what its current status is like this is the recent one i included a picture of now super fucking hot josh server uh apparently he was in an episode god he's so hot now Uh, also if you went to like summer camp or to college and you didn't somehow run into a kid who had a piece of the aggro crag i don't you you can't have been a millennial you didn't go anywhere you didn't I, go anywhere then. You I didn't meet anyone. Scout. I went to a lot of Boy Scout, uh, KMSR, Kittatinny Mountain Scout Reserve. Uh, the number of experiences I had, like learning about like other, uh, like other 
it's hard to even explain like someone would be from a different suburb they would be from a suburb near pittsburgh and their life would be so completely different from mine in every way but we all watch guts and yeah. we all knew a kid who was on Legend of the Hidden Temple when they went to vacation in Orlando and we thought they were all lying. And then the episode where they got cut on the stairs aired and it, it it's was why, like It's why casting Mike O'Malley as Kurt Hummel's dad was like so smart because we all knew Mike O'Malley as this dad type host. What? How hot you find him? Yeah, everyone make fun of me. Yeah. It's cool. We all no, know. it's fine. No, he is. He and, and that's the thing. He played so well in that role. And we remember him so fondly as the host of this show where it was like, you know, a lot of us were not very athletic children. But like this wasn't picture. this wasn't true athleticism. It was, you know, just run your heart out and try to climb this mountain. And it didn't matter how well you did. Mike and Mo were always supportive, and let's go to Mo and thank you, Mike. And we're over here at the Agro Crag, and it was just such a weird show. Ugh. And you know, Double Dare, uh, Mark Summers. A lot of you might not know, but Mark Summers has gone on to be one of the most valuable contributors to the world of food programming. Um, he is actually a monolithic producer in the world of food, producing nearly every one of Chef Robert Irvine's programs. Um, the guy is a legend in the food community. He uh, has done so much for mom and pop shops all over the nation. Uh, never shied away from queer or black owned establishments in his tours of the country and in his programs and mark summers is the kind of guy that i like helped shape my childhood uh never a weird story about uh him and something untoward so just frankly you know knowing that this guy shaped my childhood my middle school and my adulthood it's really cool uh big fan uh what's next uh and just real quick first be with me on oh, sure i'm with you the human version of Kermit the Frog. Oh, yeah. Oh, great read. Always. Kind of any Always. newscaster Muppet in a suit. Yeah. Big fan. Love that. Kind of handsome salamander face. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there were also the random ones, obviously. I, I don't know who picked. Me. I picked this. Did you pick this? Well, of course you did. I would stay up till 3.30 in the morning. I would watch this and I would masturbate furiously, hoping that a guy would strip down to, you know, because you couldn't hope that that night would be an episode where Matt LeBlanc was in just boxers at, on Friends at 11. You couldn't hope. And you could always that, rely on strip poker. You could always rely on strip poker. Um, and I think part of what strip poker allowed me to appreciate as a kid was a transitionary sort of live action playboy. Something that playboy always was, was just like pictures of like ladies. It wasn't like, you know, full on penetration. So like that's kind of what strip poker represented a really sanitized accessibility to seeing men strip, to seeing women strip, to seeing people appreciate physical bodies in a sexual way that like I still appreciate go-go boys dancing. Like I'm not trying to go out to the strip club every night, but like 
uh, when uh, Gates Graham, you guys should go check out Gates Graham, who is so damn hot over on Instagram. Uh, he puts up his little, you know, booty shaking videos uh, with his super hot partner. Uh, yeah, damn. You know, and that's the kind of thing that I, I learned to appreciate on strip poker. Even if now I have access to like, you know, every horrifying piece of pornography I ever want, the what's not being shown and what evolves to being shown in subtle ways from things like strip poker at 3.30 in the morning on WPIX. It, you know, it's the, it's the unspoken Sears catalog underwear section. Yeah, I totally get you. I, for me, it was not this. It was uh, MTV's Undressed, but... Yeah, no, Susie and Elvis. Yep, Sam, Susie, and Elvis taught me to be Polly. Yep. Yeah. Oof. If we could find Undressed, that'd be great. I have. I, I, I have a standing it. alert for it. I have there it. You is, want it? What's that? That and Spider Games. You have, have Undressed? Thing. The whole thing. That's crazy. I did not know that. I also did not know that. Where is this? It's it's literally Somewhere. right there. It's like literally it's in the DVD binders that I even know where are. I burned the whole thing. I made menus. You just have to rip it out. Yeah. Okay. Right. So good news, everybody. The, family watch. The family me uh, media catalog will soon have undressed. Truly, truly, truly. Sam, Susie, and Elvis. Like there was something about like, and I would call my best friend Heather at like twelve fifteen in the morning, and I would be like, Heather, there was another episode that had Sam, Susie, and Elvis, and she would be like, Why are you so obsessed with this? Like, my, you know, like. And the reality is like, I I just went away to Tennessee with my amazing partner. That's where I got this uh, hot older boyfriend, as he's been mentioned for like several years. Uh, these two gentlemen who represent two of the greatest loves I've ever known in my whole life. Uh, of course, uh, show co-creator Jojo. You know, I'm, I'm a proud Polly person. Like I, I love being a Polly man. It is part of the, the shape of my heart. And I don't know that I ever could have been okay with that without undress. So thank you so much for bringing it up because yeah, I'll, I'll bust the DVDs out immediately. Yeah. Wait, what's your state? I have to know. Wait, what's your state? Is undressed a state? Did I mention a state? Are we talking about a state? I saw oh, you said Pittsburgh. Oh, I said Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, oh, oh no, Tennessee. Oh, oh. right. Yes. I just, just had the Tennessee. most. I had the most amazing time in Tennessee, Allie. I Nashville took my breath away. Uh, I fell in love with a, a, a gentleman. Yeah, no, don't be sorry. He loved it. Here. And uh, I always imagined that Tennessee would be this amazing place because he promised me it was like the most beautiful place. And like a teenager forced to move away from their childhood home, telling somebody about it is automatically romantic. But when you're in love with that person, you double romanticize it. So like I thought of Nashville to the fourth power and I went and it was that the Jack factory. We toured the Jack Daniels factory had an amazing time. I'm a whiskey drinker in general. Uh, I like whiskey sours. I'm a Jack Daniels guy. Uh, Tennessee was one of the most welcoming, kind. Uh, yeah, just Nashville really was a stunning experience for me and uh, a place I've told these two guys that I can't wait to take them because I had such a phenomenal experience and to completely level with you, I am uh, a special kind of obsessed with Dolly Parton. And... Uh, I got a question right on the weakest link uh, with Scarlett. Uh, and it was what billionaire has been referenced in song by Dolly Parton. And I literally went, okay, it can only be Oprah because that's the only woman that I can think of that Dolly Parton has referenced. 
I was gonna say she's not gonna be like Meg Whitman. So like uh, I'm a I'm a special I'm a, you know traveling through gets stuck in my throat sometimes. Uh, I just think she is the most incredible woman of all time. The what she's given to literacy. Anyway, thank you. Your state actually was just incredibly welcoming and made me feel very uh, made me feel very special. So thank you. What do we got left, boys? Uh, Street Smarts, which was the first show that made me think that all Americans are fucking stupid. Um, Frank Nicotero, by the way, serving uh, every man hotness. Uh, like, just truly the most average every man ever. But, like, what a handsome guy. Um, big fan. Uh, thought this was the dumbest game in the entire world. So they would ask three people a basic question and it would be if one of them got it right who knew it and if only one of them got it wrong who blew it and that was the whole game three people asked a question who knew it who blew it whole fucking game 30 minutes of this and god damn it did he pass judgment on every single person like he hated them it's like that 30 rock game show homophone nope it was the other one nope yeah no <laughs> it literally uh it's gold case <laughs> Oh, gold's real heavy, ain't it? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, did you guys watch Sweet Street Smarts? No. no. Great. Next one. Uh, all that was left was you wanted me to prepare a slide so you could bring up the uh, Big Bucks scandal. Oh, God. My brain is wired to count cards. I'm on the autism spectrum, diagnosed and stuff, and like I, uh, I have real, real trouble with connecting with like, um, uh, like tangibles, and numbers make me feel really safe and really confident and really comfortable. So like, uh, my notes for music are always written out in math. And, um, my, like when I have anxiety attacks, I do, uh, I sit there and do like, uh, factoring equations. Like I'll, I'll give myself a good, like seventh degree polynomial and I'll just get working. Uh, it, it brings me comfort. It brings me joy. It brings me calm and center. When I found out that counting cards could get you kicked out of a casino, I wanted to die. Like I, it just made me happy. I don't want to. I don't care about the money. You'll put the pennies. I don't care. I just like counting cards. Um, and that's another one of those things where, like, it's why I don't get into game stuff. That's I get that. That's fun. And why shouldn't you be allowed to enjoy that at a less, like, stakes-driven capacity? Triple Triad is, like, literally one of the greatest joys of my life. And this gentleman, uh, the gentleman here, Michael, I forget his last name, unfortunately. Uh, something like Michael Waldron something like that he figured out that there were only 17 patterns to the digital randomization of the pressure luck pattern and that it always involved kevo can you is there any way you can like zoom in on the 1250 in the second position um uh give me a sec of course honey absolutely thank you so much for always working with me on these on the spot these two guys are um, I've been a Disney cast member and there's some rules that are like, you know, you never say no on stage. You never make anybody look silly. These two guys, uh, exemplify that so beautifully. I'm so grateful. Um, that 1250 and the advanced two spaces in the opposite position, as well as the whammy just catty corner to it. 
those three spots actually dictate which of the 17 patterns it is by their three frame cycle. And this gentleman recorded every episode on an early VHS recorder and memorized it and then got on the show and won more money than anyone had ever won in daytime television until somebody would break the record 27 years later on Price is Right. This gentleman is unfortunately was a gambling addict who could not overcome those demons, which is just gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. I love numbers, so I actually understand how they are like intoxicating. I understand how numbers are just like inescapably romantic. Um, but to know that he couldn't escape gambling, he couldn't escape prostitution, drugs, and alcoholism, sadly died penniless. His brother spoke really beautifully of his genius in Big, Brook, uh, Big Bucks, the pressure luck scandal. Uh, some part of me is like, dude, that was before people did this stuff. That was before people learned solos watching YouTube. This guy masterminded, uh, the, the future of TikTok. This guy was so ahead of his time. Um, and you just, I agree. Things it's like this wild like, quiz show. That there was a quiz show scandal. They were feeding people the answers years earlier. And it was like, one thing that that was the producers doing. Exactly. Someone took this initiative. And it even says, I'm glad that this is the image that you grabbed, that it says original 1984 broadcast to underline 1984. It's from my copy of the. Uh, from How the, many people had VHS players in the first place? Ugh. It's not really like a related thing, but I always think about uh, the woman who recorded basically every TV news broadcast for like 20 years or more and left the tape archive to her son, who then like um, there are many uses for it because a lot of this stuff was not retained. And she has this archive that nobody else has. Wow. And, you know, it, it happened so long ago that it wasn't really super common when she started to have a VHS recorder. And that's part of the reason why these tapes are so valuable. And it's just these moments of like, um, you know, to be the right person in the right place at the right time with the right tools can really become your entire story. And in some ways, like that is so much of game show life is right person, right place with the right set of tools to be on the show and succeed. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say that part of why we did this episode was kind of like an argument for credibility's sake. We talk a lot about game show format policy. Uh, I talk a lot about like transponder license responsibility. And I felt like you can't talk about those things and not sort of appropriately do the due diligence for comics. We did that for movies. We do that. And I feel like game shows as a unique format and as something that has almost become proliferative, the way snatch game is a game show that is part of a game show that is referenced to a game show that in and of itself is a result of the success of other game shows. Like, the iterative success of this idea of the belief in people winning is magical. And we spend so much time talking about it that I just thought we should prove our credentials and talk a little bit about the bigger picture. 
Um, this was particular... and the things that we like from it and the things that we don't like from it. So the yeah. sort of stuff that you could expect us to see cover in the future, the sort of stuff you could expect us not to see cover. Uh, and yeah. I would like to take the time to cover some dropout material uh, to honor TK's interest. I would like to take the time to cover uh, some of the incredible things like the Star, uh, the Star Wars uh, game show that's basically Jedi Legend of Temple the Hidden Quest, Temple. Yeah. But it's hosted by the actor who played Jar Jar being treated like a human being instead of being treated like a punching bag, which, you know, is sort of the magic of game shows. Elizabeth Banks, she's no longer 35 and a blockbuster seller. So she's become a game show host. And like, yes, there is that level that is the unreal, which is the greatest show about behind the scenes at a reality show ever. He was a dancer and now he's a game show host. You're welcome. You're welcome. Like becoming a game show host is seen as like a joke in a lot of ways, but why? Why is bringing people joy and bringing money and stimulating the economy and keeping 3,500 people employed between the on-set people, the caterers, the drivers, the producers, the affiliates at the network, the advertising people, the commercial makers? Why is keeping all of those people employed a joke? I don't think it is. I think game shows are a part of the television economy in a way that there is room for an Elizabeth Banks to direct Cocaine Bear and then host Press Your Luck because we never told William Shatner he can't do Rescue 911 and then make another Star Trek. And um, while I personally think we should tell William Shatner he can't do shit all anymore, I don't think we should be in the business of telling brilliant women like Elizabeth Banks what they can do, period. Yep. I had a good joke about this stupid Mar celebrities on Mars show that Shatner is doing, but it kind of lost me. Do you know he? Uh, yeah. You know, oof, he. Uh, oh God. But I, I do think you know what has been interesting these last five to ten years is I I think we are actually like this new generation of game show hosts from Joel McHale to Elizabeth Banks to uh Jane Krakowski Jane Lynch uh we're seeing and and the original is kind of Drew Carey Drew Carey is where it starts with the people that were like no I actually like that guy and oh I've now just discovered that this isn't a punishment this is a way <laughs> to like make regular money to continue to be on television, but to not have to slave to a process that is backbreaking and you really don't, it's not healthy to keep it up for decades and decades. So rather than doing that, you retire from your sitcom or the thing that you did that everybody knows you from and you capitalize on being somebody who everybody knows in this way that brings people joy that uh right. employs people that you know has a lot of upsides and i think we are now seeing this generation of celebrities doing that in a way that kind of says to us like hey this whole thing is actually good on a bunch of levels let's get into it and i think the more we see you know, I mean, Eric Stone Street on the Domino Show, like just uh, Carson. Domino Masters. God, and then they fucking let him play uh, his 
Fizbo. IRL. Oh, they let Domino him play Fizbo on Domino Masters. They let him play his actual Will like... Arnett and Lego Masters. Just it's yeah. it's great. Oh, this I is this is this is a totally good thing, and it really is a generational shift. Uh, worth your time to appreciate and and get into a little bit. I love that you are somebody who kind of came to me and said, "I love you. You're funny. You're charming." The things you like, some of them are great. Some of them are game shows. And I like that you said, I, as a complicated, multifaceted man, can see the things that you like about these things. I like that Kevo kind of said, um, as a giant boy, like as somebody who enjoys childhood magic, I can appreciate game shows because you know you can appreciate them as well cerebrally and as a man but there's like a magic to game shows that you experience on almost like a whimsical level right. and i think that this broadcast talks about that multifaceted way to appreciate these shows is really everything yeah um i there's a some sort of like old jalopy wind up gatsby motorcade car going exploding in the background all, all the time in our neighborhood i don't know when uh the suburbs of new jersey became popular for drag racing but here we are every yeah. other night we unfortunately live on a on a we oh unfortunately yeah live on a street where people collect classic cars so there's Plus we a, live at the top of a hill that people just love to shoot where's our game show for that <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the furious about taxes and the going somewhat fast. So fast uh, and the fury. Oh, okay, I, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a couple of great broadcasts coming up in the next couple of weeks. Kevo, if you would be kind enough to pull up that super cool board of super cool stuff that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. We have Into the Spider-Verse coming up. Um I read about this scene that they cut, and I'm so glad it got cut. The post credit scene that was originally going to be there, we're better off that it was cut. Didn't add I don't anything know about the this. I can't we'll wait talk to talk after about the show. It on, uh, on, uh, on stream. Uh, Little Mermaid, super excited to talk about it because um, Black Girls Rule, period. And it spins. Um, and stuff. I'm excited to talk about Rise of the Beast. If for no other reason, the director of Bumblebee said this is bad even for a Transformers movie. I won't make it. Uh, Strange New Worlds. You know, Pike is the most perfect captain for me. He is the sound of my heart. Uh, Barbie is the movie of 2023 I'm most excited about. And Secret Invasion. Just take my fucking money. Anybody, any thoughts on the uh, coming soon board? No, I mean, the coming soon board is just, you know, what it is. This is just an idea of some of the stuff that we're going to be covering. It's This uh, is what we know we have well. to cover as us. Well, and this is even more specifically the stuff that we are, like, definitively in the middle of covering as well. We had talked right. about Silo. and More Silo. Season is yeah. over. We definitely want to make sure that we uh, cover the full rest of the season. Uh, we started talking about Muppets Mayhem. So we oh. said we want to... Uh, finish covering that full season. I just want to congratulate as, the Electric Mayhem on their first number one. Yeah. So as a result uh, of the show, really cool. so congrats. Uh, we were talking about Great Food Truck Race. We're excited to cover that once that starts in a few weeks. Uh, we've got our 
what now I am thinking of is a binary pair. Of what show is that? What? What's what's that? What's what? Do we talk about this? Do we talk about this every week? What? He's being, being um, silly about how oh, much time was... we spend talking about Drag Race. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, and then the other one is Project Runway. Yeah, I see how those are definitely yeah. a matched pair for you, especially because they're both all stars, uh, mm-hmm. kind of at the same time, both kind of streamy all stars, being streamy dreamy. Um, yep. Very excited about that. So, uh, all right, I can't wait to come back and talk about more of this stuff. But until we do, TK, where can everybody find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. How about you, Kevo? You can find me over on the socials at Kevo Relay. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And uh, Nico, Captain, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until we come back, uh, folks of all kinds, thank you so much for tuning in. We love having you here. Stay brave, stay strong. And until next time, subscribe, like, comment, all the things, and we'll see you.